You're listening to a podcast from Newstalk ZB. Follow this and our wide range of podcasts now on iHeartRadio. G'day there and welcome to the rewrap for Thursday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking Breakfast on News Talk ZB in a sillier package. I am Glenn Hart and today uh, Mike's got a couple of reality checks for you. Uh, in fact, uh, he's got reality checks around uh, Job Seeker and Three Waters uh, specifically. But first up, uh, Ginny Anderson versus Mark Mitchell on the show yesterday morning. Uh, it's created a bit of a stir. Uh, uh, how, how does one come back from that? So in one of life's oddities, when it comes to things playing out publicly, uh, that what might have exploded one day doesn't another. The tragedy, of course, of Efeso Collins quite rightly became yesterday's political story and in doing so saved, I think, Ginny Anderson from greater scrutiny and perhaps embarrassment. Uh, the House was paused after speeches yesterday. There was no question time. They're not coming back until Tuesday. Mark Mitchell quite rightly didn't want to talk about it, given the focus on Collins' passing. But what he did say was she had texted him to say she had overstepped the line. Now, Chris Hipkins said she had overstepped the line as well. He had to wade in. He also said she'd apologised, which as far as I'm aware, she hasn't. So saying you're overstepped a line and saying sorry to me and my mind are two different things. Your reaction, as you've probably gathered so far this morning, has been forthright and voluminous. Uh, There is no doubt Mitchell deserves a heartfelt apology, the emphasis being on heartfelt. What unfolded on this programme yesterday was gobsmacking. An innocent conversation about past work as a result of the Robertson resignation, whether MPs should bring more real-world experience to the House and therefore running the country. Anderson raised Mitchell's past security work and company, and if she had kept her head, that would have been that. But it wasn't. It was like something snapped and she passed the point of no return. And live radio, I can tell you, live broadcasting of any sort, especially unscripted, is hard work. You have to keep your wits about you. Uh, you have to know when enough is enough, or indeed if it isn't enough, and push a little further. And we all make mistakes. Every one of us makes mistakes. Many, many, many a time I've sat here thinking how close to the line am I. I've got to balance that on a daily basis. What Anderson did was personal, and not just personal, but ill-informed, as you've just heard. And once she crossed the line, it got brutal. It was an unbridled attack of jaw-dropping proportions. A saving grace, I thought, is that they're both politicians who live in, and at times, ugly business. But that doesn't make yesterday right, or excusable, or even close to it. The ball is, as far as I'm concerned, in Mark's court. If he wants an apology, he should get one. And I'm sure he could find a lawyer or two who would be more than happy to pursue matters elsewhere. The best and most obvious thing Ginny could do is unreservedly say sorry, except it was a moment of madness. It was completely uncalled for and reflected badly on her and her party. So I am looking forward to this coming Wednesday. So, um, yeah, just say sorry, I think, is really all you can do at this point, isn't it? The rewrap. I mean, you might be thinking, oh, maybe Jenny's got a point. Maybe, you know, Mark was a terrible person in his previous life. Doesn't seem that way, according to uh, British MP Rory Stewart. So back to yesterday's programme, Ginny Anderson v Mark Mitchell. So some information uh, about what Mark was doing with his security company overseas. Now, the former MP and soldier Rory Stewart, OBE, has a podcast with Tony Blair's director of comms, Alistair Campbell. So it's called The Rest is Politics. It's the number one political podcast in the UK. So back in April of last year... They got on to talking about trying to get diplomats out of war-torn areas or places where large riots were breaking out, right? Now, this is, this, this is what Mark did. 
And this is what happened to Rory. He was a British diplomat working in Iraq in the early 2000s, negotiating hostage releases and advising the government as the civil war was breaking out. And this is, this is just a taste of what they were facing. I was in, in my compound in southern Iraq. We were being attacked by men with rocket-propelled grenades and mortars. We were under fire for two days. Our internet had been taken out. Buildings were being destroyed. And I had to decide whether to try to hunker down and stay in this building and defend it. And all I really had were few Italian soldiers and my bodyguard team on the roof with heavy machine guns, or whether to evacuate the civilians that were in the building. And I made the decision to evacuate. So I put them in armored vehicles, some very brave Italian soldiers took those vehicles. And in a lull in the fighting, we opened the gates and drove them out, racing towards the airfield. And I remember standing with my bodyguard team on the roof watching these people go and suddenly all hell breaking loose because the insurgents attacked these vehicles. So there are bullets and rocket propelled grenades firing off the sides of these vehicles. They disappeared around the corner. And for an hour, I was absolutely convinced that I had made the worst possible decision. So that's the scene set. It was just Rory and his bodyguard team. So who, was the, who was the most senior person there who was actually a security expert? Probably the, the head of my bodyguard team. Wow. And would he, would he have been special forces? Uh, some of them were special forces. Some, one of them was a wonderful man called Mark Mitchell, a New Zealand police officer who went on to be a, a New Zealand member of parliament. He was very, very brave, very, very calm. So I wonder how sick Ginny feels now. And so that podcast, by the way, is with Alistair Campbell and Rory Stewart. The rest is politics. Yeah, that seems pretty plausible. Unbelievable, that account. Uh, as I can tell. Okay, we'll leave that there for now. The rewrap. Oh, reality check time. Uh, Mike's laying down the hard truths for you. Blowing, blowing the top off things. Here we go. I tell you what, the reality checks are coming thick and fast this week. A couple of power companies have reported profits and at the same time warned us all power prices are going up further for two reasons. One, Cost increases. Everyone uses that one, don't they? Cost increases. And two, the transfer slowly, so slowly, to renewables. Renewables, as it turns out, are going to be expensive. Expensive and at this stage, unreliable, given they don't stop us having a winter whereby we may not have enough power for the lights. Can I ask a really simple question? What's the point of saving the planet, allegedly, if we can't heat a house or we can't afford to heat a house? But more on that later. The other reality check is S&P Global Ratings. They're warning us over our debt again, specifically this time the debt of the councils. Fifteen of them have been downgraded. They worry about the trend, not just the debt. The debt is bad enough, but the trend is the ever-widening revenue and expenditure mismatches. If, they say, the trend continues, it could undermine the credit quality of the entire sector. Now, these are the things we need to worry about. Why? Because when you are downgraded, your interest bill goes up. Money is more expensive. We already pay hundreds of millions of dollars on interest bills. Part of what you pay in your rates is not just the $300,000 for the speed bump and the cycle lanes and the debt that has been incurred and isn't being paid off, but the interest bill still arrives. And councils all over the country who can't put a bus on or mow a berm or supply a rubbish bin or can't stop pipes leaking don't spend money on that because it's gone to the bank to pay for the borrowing of another day and another time that hasn't been settled and is only getting worse. Nationally under Labour... We did the same thing for six years. Debt as a percentage of GDP since 2017 went up 18% compared with, say, Australia at 4%. As a proportion of GDP, our debt now sits at 44%. We spend 
billion dollars a year on the interest on our debt. $8.8 billion. Councils are dragging us down as well, but because we don't care about councils, the way we focus on, say, Grant Robertson's splash and burn approach, they've got away with it. But the bill, the bill hasn't gone away, nor have the red flags, and a downgrade is a very real red flag. Uh, so that's some uh, renewables myths busted there. Had to say. Let's say, let's just say some renewable reality. The rewrap. But that's not the only reality Mike was dealing in. It was only a third of the way there. There's, some two, there's another couple of realities, you know, coming to you right now. Whoa. This morning's two scandals. Job seeker, we are already partially alert to, but the Herald reporting this morning that 189,000 of us have been on welfare for more than a year. A year. 189,000 New Zealanders, and that's remembering the averages, of course, 13 years. 378,711 people in this country receive a main benefit. 189,798 are on this job seeker. 108,957, or 57% of those receiving the job seeker support have been receiving it for at least one year. Most of the people receiving the payment are men, 107,000 plus. Most common age for the recipients, 25 to 39. They're too young for that. Your life is over. More than a year, average of 13 years. It is a scandal. And we and then the government of the last six years was allowed to foot that bill, perpetrate it and get away with it. Second scandal, and I'll give you more detail after 7.30, but I told you this was going to happen. Three Waters, those people running the Three Waters entities, with a government that was about to get booted out of office, earning anywhere between six, seven, eight hundred thousand dollars a year. I asked the question last year, you've just taken a job you must know isn't going to last. Why would you do that? Unless there was a check coming and bingo this morning the checks are being written. Tell you what, if if Hosker's gonna do his own segues into the next topic, what am I here for? The rewrap. Anyway, here he is talking about the Three Waters jobs, which he already said he was going to be talking about. Like I say, why am I here? Hi, Mike. What kind of work were the late employees of Three Waters doing? Who employed them when it was clear Three Waters would be shut down? These are good questions, Graham, because the um, the, the news is this morning, and read it in the Herald, a couple of government water reform chief executives, former, took redundancy payouts of $355,000 apiece. The third was transitioned to another water reform job. So this is a guy called uh, John Lamont. And Colin Crampton both left their posts December 15, six months of their $710,000 salary as establishment chief executives. Then this is what I was asking late last year. These are all new jobs, and they were being advertised and filled at a time when you knew full well a couple of things would happen. You didn't know categorically 100%, but, you know, read the tea leaves, read the room. Were the Labor government going to get booted out of office? Yes. When the Labor government got booted out of office, what was going to happen to Three Waters? These guys were going to get laid off. So knowing that... Why would you take a job earning $710,000 knowing you were going to lose the job just a matter of weeks, if not months later, unless you wanted the redundancy? I mean, what possible reason for that? Did you think that, oh, no, we don't know the Labor Party are going to lose the election. Maybe they'll win it and I'll get to and I'll get to roll out three waters. Was that your dream? It doesn't make sense to me. And so now we've paid for people who came and went. And what was achieved? Nothing. Yeah, oh, I think that's good. Oh, is he really questioning the motivation there? Money for not doing anything? I wouldn't mind some of that. Certainly sounds easier than being, I don't know, the CEO of St John's Ambulance. That's a callback to some stories from earlier in the week. If you missed it, just just assume that's hilarious, okay? Uh, 
I'm Glenn. That was the rewrap, and we'll do it again tomorrow. Uh, for uh, yeah, what will it be? Episode three thousand and two. It's got a nice ring to it. The rewrap. The rewrap. For more from News Talk ZB, listen live on air or online, and keep our shows with you wherever you go with our podcasts on iHeartRadio.